Deep Down, Chapter 2, The Treasure The arrival of the tsunami had been confirmed for March according to all the experts' forecasts. This time, the epicenter wasn't at Becerra. The news said clearly. The major had sold it as an achievement, the third point of the election manifesto. Be, at last, the epicenter of a tsunami. And I wouldn't assure categorically it wasn't like that. It also coincided the economic cycle began to grow and they could take out all the undeclared incomes that had been accumulated in the private strong rooms of the big banks since the introduction of the euro. They couldn't take them out before without arousing suspicions. It's not that I like talking, but if they said they were going through a bad patch, they couldn't go around spending money in a rush. Sure, they didn't mind what the rest of the mortals might think. It's that the treasury might suspect something, which is what truly matters. In short, in the bank's coffers, in the real ones, in the ones that contain words of hundreds not-in-account entries, in this there were loads of money loads of loads and they were overflowing with money. At the city, which really took the biscuit, I mean the loads, was the Universal Savings Bank, and as its own name indicates, it's universal and omnipresent. The biggest strong room of the Universal Savings Bank was at the head office, but the head office of the center of the city centre, not the business centre supermodern ultra-innovative complex. Who was going to suspect that having the operating centre at the industrial estate, they kept the money at the city centre? But that's the way it was, and it was not to arouse suspicions, and to avoid robberies, because at the centre, where the head office was, it was almost impossible to park something powerful enough to do something bad enough. Okay, there was some hold up, as in all of the banks, but in spite of what the press, the bank and the insurance companies said, they never held up more than a few thousands. Really, few. When the tsunami menace was firm, they launched the evacuation plan. It was a plan prepared by the Council's experts, advised by North American specialists. From Hawaii, from the PTWC, Pacific Tsunami Warning Center, who were very experienced in tsunamis. No, they didn't come here or anything. What really happened was that the Council completely ignored the Seismograph Institute's reports. Come on! A tsunami around here? No way. Maybe that big waves that knocked the promenade balustrade down again. It almost happens every winter and came in handy to hire that companies that, by chance, were always the same. I need to say the council sent the waves on purpose to maintain their friend companies that exaggerate the figures without any problem but it's a remarkable coincidence. 
The thing is that the Seismographic Institute insisted so much, and so much they pestered that forced them to pay attention. Not by conviction, but because the ratbusters of the Institute talked to the press, and the panic spread all around the city, frightening the council. So, to silence the rumors, they couldn't think a better way out than give a press conference to say how the whole thing was well planned, incredibly studied, and how they had all, all, and all under super mega control. Obviously, they hadn't. They didn't even know from which point they had to start. The full council meeting took place at the tapestry lunch, which was already praiseworthy, and under the slogan of we are not leaving until we find a solution, they locked themselves in. Obviously, they hadn't. They didn't even know from which point they had to start. The full council meeting took place at the tapestry lunch, which was already praiseworthy, and under the slogan of we are not leaving until we find a solution, they locked themselves in. Of course, civil servants had another slogan that it's not only a slogan, but a basic and unshakable principle that prevails over every other rule or slogan. When it's time to leave, it's time to leave. Considering they had gone in the lunch after coffee hour at about 13.45 and they had to leave to each one's office to tidy up before leaving at 14, they had to be more than fast and agile planning the strategy. The crisis cabinet was in crisis proper and for two minutes they were looking at each other and other to each without speaking until one swine had the regrettable witticism of saying Maybe we should tell the truth. Sit on the bloody party discipline and in your fucking mother, Cabanas! Shut you! The major said. Cabanas had so funny ideas. Afterwards, who knows who, because after the fate of the mayor, nobody dare say a word and backed him more. It wasn't that important, but then the briefcases didn't go where they should, and the end of the month was coming and the holidays too, and the detached house in Oleiros had its expenses. The shy voice said, We can search in the Google. And what the fuck is that? The mayor asked. The councillor of education, the one who knew about these things, opened the laptop, the internet and the Google. As it was not much of thinking too much, and as they had only few minutes left, they went to the point. She wrote down, Tsunami. And there appeared hundreds of entries. She scrolled down urgently, searching an emergency evacuation plan. The mayor didn't understand the spending in ultramodern computers if they had to write it down word by word. They made one last try. Tsunami emergency evacuation plan. And then Pacific Tsunami Center appeared, or something like that. It was written in English, and the only thing they could see clearly was the tsunami thing. This and that it was in Hawaii. The mayor got upset and said that it wasn't the moment to search for travel bargains. 
the tourism councillor, the one who was in charge of travelling abroad to promote the city, and that supposedly had a degree in English of the Oxford University, and that even could speak with a Glaswegian accent, sat down in front of the screen and started to read his way. It's understandable that the plan was only one page long, despite the original was larger. The thing is that they only choose the things they could almost understand for sure. Then they thought it was fine to quote the source, because you must quote the sources, and above all, to have someone to blame. The press bought it, more or less because they thought they had given them a clear and concise summary of a wider plan, and because the press already knew there was a PTWC whose headquarters was in Hawaii that watched the ocean, while experience in evacuations in case of tsunami events and that even made evacuation drills. The press did know. It's also understandable it didn't work quite well, even though, I must say, the thing didn't go as bad as it was planned. In the end, there weren't big losses. When they told the people to evacuate in style, to pack and leave, people got the giggles. They weren't going to pack and leave their houses that still hadn't paid to go nowhere and lose everything. Another thing the council didn't count on because in Hawaii they only had to rebuild their huts and that was all, the mayor thought. So they had to create a compulsory expropriation agreement. The council committed to help them reconstruct their houses or to provide others of similar characteristics with the disaster area aids they were going to receive. It's not that the people weren't afraid of the tsunami. It's that the people didn't trust a single inch the council, so therefore they had to evacuate by force two days before the terrible event. And they got it. And they even finished in time to let the first evacuated the chance of calling the council names under the sun, because at the end there wasn't going to be any tsunami. But there was broadcasted live satellite link and followed live by millions of diesel spectators that saw the reactors and the area like they said it was centuries ago according to the simulated photographs at the San Pedro's promenade when the sea moved away. And they saw too how the water came back and covered it all and destroyed everything going through. It didn't only affect the city, a bit a bit also affected the rest of the coast. But as a Coruña was in the very epicenter, and it has that turtle's head shape in words of Manuel Rivas, former Manolo, but not yet, acted as a breakwater and curved the effects over the rest. It was that shape too, which prevent the waters to go back to its normal place, acting as limit, as storage. In other words, made the water stay at the same level, not the former level, but above, above the buildings and above everything. 
and there it began. Everything got flooded, and with the water, the rumors arrived. The Universal Savings Bank had to leave in a hurry and left behind all the money. You see, while you watch a tsunami live on TV, you have plenty of time to think whatever silly thing you want. The legend sprang up when the journalists asked the president of the Universal Savings Bank about this rumor, and he denied completely, saying that there were fallacies and contentableness. Who follows the gossip TV shows knows well it was a clear confirmation of the rumors. So, under the water, in the very center of the old A Coruña city, deep down, there is the biggest strong room of Galicia, full of money, lots and lots of money, that money that comes in words, waiting for someone to go down and rescue it.